Well, hey there, this is Kim Constable. Welcome to the Strong and Sculpted podcast, the podcast by me, Kim Constable, also known as the Sculpted Vegan, about all things strong and, of course, all things sculpted. And this week, we are going to talk about something that everyone is worrying about at the minute, and that is... Am I going to lose my muscles when I'm not training at the gym? Because yes, of course, all of these podcasts recently have been quite timely in terms of I've been trying to bring you content that is relevant to the situation right now, because I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but if you are listening to it in April 2020, when this is being recorded, then you will know that the whole world is in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and the gyms are closed and everybody's forced into training from home and nobody really knows what to do and everybody's worried that they're going to lose their muscle. So I wanted today to discuss um, why you probably won't lose your muscle, what to do if you do think that you're losing your muscle, and just to give you some hints and some tips and some strategies just to help you feel better, which is always one of my highest goals. So before we begin, I just want to remind you that we do a podcast giveaway every single month, which is where if you leave a review on the Sculpted Vegan podcast, we will choose a winner from everyone who has left a review, and we will award that winner a Sculpted Vegan program of your choice, including the $1,500 highly coveted people tell me, Sculpt and Shred program. So hop on over to iTunes um, or to Stitcher or Podbean. I don't think that you can leave the review on Spotify, but what you have to do to be in with a chance of winning is you have to leave the review on whatever platform it is that you listen to this podcast, and then you need to send me a screenshot of the review as a direct message on Instagram. So my Instagram is the Sculpted Vegan. And you have to send me the picture of the review so that I know it's there. And then Courtney, my assistant, chooses from the people who send us the DMs. And one of those people will be awarded a Sculpted Vegan program. Okay, so let's get into the content of today's podcast. So first, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, recently, well, I was, well, it wasn't recently, actually. It seems like recently, but it really wasn't recently. It was a year ago. I was prepping for my show. I was prepping for, I did three shows last year, including the World Championships. And just thought I'd drop that in there, you know, make it make me sound good. Um, and I was prepping for my show. And one of my, one of my daily cardio sessions was a power walk with the dog. Now, many of you who follow me on Instagram will know about Mr. Bud. Mr. Bud, um, his name is Buddy, but we call him Mr. Bud or Mr. Schmud or Mr. Shitty Pants. He actually has many, many names. But he, um, go anyway, he, I, I was walking him and I, we were off for a power walk. And I remember uh, just before I left the house, I remember walking out the front door and looking at the sky and thinking, huh, is it going to rain? Because um, usually the shows here in Belfast are held in April, May, June, sometimes in March, but usually around that time, which is kind of late spring. And it, although the weather can, you know, be nice, it can get warmer, it can also be very, very showery. So this particular day, I walked out of the house and I looked out and I thought, oh my God, is it going to rain? And I was like, oh, well, it won't. And it looked and I thought there's some clouds in the distance, but I, you know, it, it wasn't forecast for rain, but it did look like there could be a heavy downpour. But I thought, you know what, it'll be fine. I'll risk it. You know, it'll be grand. So I put my coat on, which was, um, it's just one of those jackets from Uniqlo. I don't know whether you guys have Uniqlo in America, but Uniqlo is a very common brand over here in, well, in the UK, mostly in London, but um, they do make great jackets. And so they're usually shower proof, but they're not rainproof. So I sat out with Mr. Bud and we were off walking. And the route that I do whenever I go for my walk with Buddy is about seven to eight kilometers long. So we walk for about seven or eight kilometers. And so 
by the time I kind of got halfway round this walk, um, I remember, you know, I just felt this massive big drop on my shoulder. You know that that huge massive drop where it feels like a bird has shit on you because it's so heavy and you're like, oh no, and you don't know whether you're going to get absolutely drenched or whether it's not going to be so bad. Well, I was about halfway round, so I was halfway from home, but halfway, you know, to home again. So the really, it wasn't like I could turn around and run for home and decide to get on the Stairmaster instead. Like I was committed to this walk. So as I started to walk, um, this the rain started to fall and it started to fall in those huge, big, heavy drops where it's like, boom, boom, boom. You know, they just start to drop. It's not like a little pitter patter of rainfall, you know, those huge, big, heavy drops. And I was like looking around and I was in this street where, of course, there were, it was a very well-kept, you know, leafy suburb, suburban area. And uh, I remember looking around and I thought, shit, like there wasn't a there wasn't a bus stop that I could shelter under. There wasn't a tree. There wasn't, you know, there was no overhang. There was nothing to shelter under. And I thought, if this rain comes down, I'm getting wet. And so the rain started to come down and it came down in those huge big drops and it was boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, I was wearing a cap. And so I kind of, you know, I, I shrugged my arms in really tight around my body and I stuffed my hands into my pockets and I pulled my the peak of my cap down over my face and and I just kept walking and I quickened my pace and, you know, Buddy was, you know, trotting along beside me. And the rain started to, you know, come down harder and, you know, it, it did those huge big drops and then they got heavier and heavier and heavier and I was like, oh my God. And then, you know, and I was trying to shield myself from the rain and I was tucking my head in towards my chest and I, I had my hands in my pockets and I was, oh, I kept like looking around. I was looking like frantically around. You know, whenever you look around, you're like, oh my God, there must be something, something and you're sizing up. There's a fence. Could I go in behind the fence? And then you actually consider, should I knock on someone's door? You know, you know you're never going to go into, but like, should I knock on someone's door and ask, could I shelter in the how should I stand in a porch? You know, you're just kind of like, you just don't know what to do because you know that you're going to get wet. And so I was like fighting, fighting the, the rain, if you like, but, you know, obviously very unsuccessfully. Uh, wishing I had bought an umbrella, wishing I, wishing I had stayed at home, wishing I was anywhere but where I was. And the rain started to come down, you know, harder and harder. And I thought, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, it'll stop in a second. So I just kept walking and walking and walking. And then the next thing, you know the way sometimes the rain comes down and it comes down it like someone has literally poured a bucket over your head. It it comes sideways like a sheet. I don't know whether you have that kind of rain wherever you live, but here in Belfast, we get it sometimes, like not very often, but when it comes down like that, like you can you can get four inches of rain in like 10 minutes. Like it it's almost like a flood. And that was the rain that came down this day. And Mr. Bud and I are walking along and this rain started like absolutely drenching me. And I was walking along and I was like huddling in and it was like started to pour itself off, you know, the peak of my cap and it was literally running in a river off the peak of my cap. And I was walking along and cars were driving past and I'm sure they were looking at me thinking, who is this crazy bitch out walking in the rain? And my, um, and I was walking and walking and walking. And then just after a second, I realized after a couple of seconds or a minute or so, I realized I was absolutely soaking wet. And I mean soaking wet. Every single part of my body was wet. My cap was wet, which meant that it was, you know, my, my face was soaking, my hair was soaking, my jacket was so soaking that it was stuck completely stuck to my body. My t-shirt underneath, whatever I was wearing, was completely drenched. My leggings were drenched. My shoes were drenched. There were puddles of water forming at my toes. I was halfway from home and I was halfway back to home. And the minute I realized that I was absolutely soaking wet and I could not get any wetter, 
I just relaxed. I was like, you know what? I'm wet. I can't try and stop getting wet. I stopped looking for shelter because I realized looking for shelter wasn't going to make me any less wet because I was wet. Even if I stood and sheltered from the rest of the rain, you know, that's the thing about being wet, right? Whenever you're wet, you're wet. You can't really get any wetter. Okay. Like imagine you got into a bath, right? With, you know, fully clothed and and then you got out again and you're standing there dripping, fully clothed. Once you're wet, you're wet. You can't really get any wetter. And this was kind of what it was like for me that day whenever I was walking. Now, what what is the moral of the story that I'm telling you? Well, the moral of the story is that, you know, I, I've I've t- talked about this before, and it's a, a Janis Joplin quote that I love, right? Janis Joplin, um, it's not a quote, I think it was in one of her songs, and she had, you know, a line in one of her songs which said, freedom is another word for nothing left to lose. And I thought, you know, I thought of that in this moment when I was walking, because the minute I realized I was soaking wet, I was completely and utterly free. I felt free. I actually started to enjoy the rain. I started to skip along and I was jumping in puddles and I was flicking water at Buddy and he was shaking, you know, and he wasn't cold, but he was, you know, he was trying to shield from the rain in the beginning as well, because he's a Boston Terrier and he does not like to get wet or cold. But then, you know, he just then accepted the rain and just kind of walked on as well. And the two of us were splashing and jumping and laughing. And I ran a little bit to the end and I realized it was going to be a soggy, uncomfortable walk home. But you know what? There was nothing I could do about it. So I could, you know, walk along by myself and suffer over the fact that I was wet and I could, you know, be really grumpy and whatever or else. I could just have fun in the rain and enjoy being wet, enjoy the experience of being completely sopping wet on a walk because I had never really walked completely sopping wet. So um, so that is what actually happened. So that, that is what happened with, you know, with the rain or whatever. I did get home. It was fine. It was like a wet t-shirt competition. Eventually the rain stopped and I had to, I had to take off my jacket because it was like stuck to my arms. And I just wrapped it around my waist. And then, of course, it was literally like a wet t-shirt competition. I had these two, <laughs> it was like my t-shirt was completely see-through. Thank God I was wearing a bra. But, you know, like, what's the moral of the story, right? Well, the moral of the story is that at the minute for all of us, life has changed. Okay, life has changed. The gyms are closed for probably the first time ever in the history of the earth. Well, apart from, you know, whenever we had the plague or the Black Death or whatever, or, you know, or even like SARS and, and the bird flu or, or the, you know, all of those other pandemics that, you know, that that went around the world. It, it wasn't as bad as this, right? It ne- never before has everything completely closed down. But at the minute, the gyms are closed. You are completely and utterly soaked. There is nothing you can do. You can't, unless you own the gym, or unless you have a gym in, in your house or, you know, whatever, you, you can't go to the gym. You cannot train in the way that you used to train. I wasn't able to walk that day in the way that I was used to walking, which was dry and comfortable. I had to walk wet. And so you have to accept that you cannot get to the gym and you are now having to find some other way to train or some other way to satisfy, you know, the endorphin rush that you need or some other way to keep your muscles big or whatever it is that you train for, whatever your reason, you're going to either have to change that reason, do something new, or just accept the situation for what it is. Because there's a beautiful thing happens whenever you accept a situation. Whenever you just relax into and embrace and accept a situation, everything 
everything changes. Your whole perception changes because once you realize that you are soaking wet and that you have nothing left to lose, you are completely free to just relax and enjoy it. And in fact, the more flexible you can be in life, the happier you generally are. The people who are the most adaptable to change. Um, who is it? Abraham, was Abraham Maslow said, change is the only constant. I'm not sure whether it was him, but it was somebody said, change is the only constant. And it's true in life. Change is the only constant. We fight as human beings to keep things to stay the same because we we like autonomy. We we like, you know, we like things to be controlled. We enjoy predictability. It gives us a feeling of, of security and safety. But the more adaptable you are to change, the more you embrace change, the more you bring it into your life and you welcome it and you look for it and you, you know, you figure out a way that you can work with it, the happier and the more relaxed you will actually be. So that is the first thing that I, I, I think that you have to do, or I'm encouraging you to do now that you are thrust into the world, thrust into the world. I make it sound so dramatic, don't I? But now that you're thrust into the world of training from home, you know, the, the first thing I would advise that you do is, is just relax, enjoy it, get completely and utterly soaking wet and accept and embrace what you cannot change. Okay, so the second thing that I want to talk about is the fact that your muscles don't shrink or don't atrophy, which is the word that we use in bodybuilding, they don't break down as fast as you think they do. And I think that a lot of times people have a perception that um, their muscles are shrinking or that they you know, they they have a feeling like they, they buy into the feeling that they have. So they feel fatter. Like my husband always says, he, he always jokes with me. And and he says, um, you know, like years ago, I remember, you know, being like, oh, I need to go back to the gym. Like we've all had this feeling. I need to lose weight. I need to go on a diet. I need to go back to the gym. And you look in the mirror and your perception clouds what you see. So you look in the mirror and you go, oh, I'm so fat. Oh, my stomach is so big. I'm, oh, I'm so bloated. I'm so this, I'm so that. You know, you look in the mirror and, and you, you see what you want to see. And then you go on a diet. Okay. You start your diet. You start your training program, you get up in the morning, you do your yoga, you go for a run, you go to the gym, whatever it is that you've said you're going to do. And you look in the mirror that night and you go, huh, I think I have lost weight. I look much better. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely, I, I can see the changes happening really quickly. Like we see this all the time in our 18-month Sculpt and Shred program and people are like three days in and they go, I can see the changes in my body already. And I always laugh and have a wee smile to myself because it's really not that they can, you know, they probably can see some changes, but it's usually just water or, you know, dropping water or whatever. But quite often it's, it's just that their perception has changed. They feel better about themselves. So they see themselves looking better in the mirror. So what what, what can happen, though, is that whenever we don't really understand the science behind muscle atrophy or muscle building, or whenever we don't understand what happens with um, whenever our muscles fill up with glycogen or whenever they get depleted of glycogen and all those different things, we can we can look in the mirror and we can trust what we see. But, you know, perception is not always reality. What you see is not always what is what is real. There's a hypothesis that at any one time we have, um, what was that? What was it? I think it was... Uh, 2 million or 4 million pieces of information coming at us at any one time, okay? 4 million pieces of information, but our brain can only process 5 plus or minus 2 pieces of information. So you're either taking in three pieces of data or seven pieces of data at any one time. So you have this tiny, tiny, tiny little window of data, okay? One, this tiny little window of perception of what you see versus what information is actually coming into you. And I always thought that was really interesting and it really helped me to, to um, understand how what I see is not always what is actually in front of you. And um, I remember once whenever I was 
prepping for one of my shows. I know I tell a lot of prepping stories, but it's funny whenever you've been in the bodybuilding world and you've built muscle and you've, you know, shredded fat and, you know, you've done all those things, you really do, um, you get a lot of information about yourself. And also you do, I, I, I'm an absolute research junkie as well. So I love knowing why and how things work. But I remember um, in 2018, it was only the second year that I'd competed. I did two shows the previous year. Um, second year I competed, I was prepping for my first show and I hadn't come in lean enough for the first two shows that I'd done the year before. I, I really wasn't happy, um, 100% happy with my condition. I didn't feel that I was lean enough. I didn't feel I was conditioned enough. And I was determined that this was never, ever going to happen again. So the next year, I um, I started working really, really, really hard. I dieted hard. I trained hard. So I was actually quite big whenever I came into um, my prep. So I would have been about, uh, well, say, quite, no, like I wasn't quite big. I would have been probably 20 two or 23% body fat, which isn't huge by any shape of the imagination. But normally I come into a prep now, I'm about 17% body fat. So I don't have an awful lot to lose. Whereas I would have been, you know, definitely in the low 20s in body fat. So I was determined to work really, really hard to get the fat off. So I started to diet and do my cardio. And I, I started... I think quite low on calories. I had been eating about 3,000 or 3,500 calories a day. I think I started at around, you know, maybe 2,000 calories. And I think my prep was about 14 weeks long. So a prep is the the name for the amount of time that you would diet and train for leading up to a show. We call it prep. So I was prepping for um, about 14 weeks and I started quite low on calories. I think I came in about 2,000 calories. And whenever you're prepping, you drop, you gradually drop your calories week by week as you gradually increase your cardio week by week. And the reason you do this is to stop your metabolism from down-regulating. So you don't want your metabolism to regulate to the reduced calories or the increased cardio. That's the whole goal of dieting, because if you were just to drop your calories quickly and plummet down to, you know, 1,200 calories or whatever and stay there for 14 weeks, after about four to six weeks, your body would um, down-regulate to those reduced calories and it would start to store fat and drop muscle, right? That's what it would do. So we always start higher and gradually reduce um, your calorie intake take and gradually increase your cardio output that's or your energetic output um just thought i would explain that because i get many many questions about you know effectively how to diet so this particular year, I'm dieting for the show and I started quite low. And the reason why I started quite low was because I really was determined to get lean. And I I dropped my calories quite quickly. So I went, normally I would only drop, say, 50 calories every week or every two weeks. But this, I think I dropped about 100 a week. Um, so I went 2,000, 1,900, 1,800, 1,700, 1,600, 1,500. So I dropped really quite low quite quickly. So I think by about um, six weeks in, I was down to about 1400 calories, I think. And I I lost a huge amount of body fat very, very quickly. Now, after about, I think about 10 weeks, I think I stayed at 1400 calories for two weeks. Then I dropped to um, 1300 for two weeks and dropped to 1200 for two weeks. And 1200 for me is very, very, very low. I don't recommend that anyone goes that low, but I was so terrified of not being lean that I, I wanted to really just push hard and give myself, um, you know, the best possible chance. And so, I remember about, you know, two weeks out from my show, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even see how lean I was. I was about 8% body fat, which was, you know, really low for a girl. And I had veins running in rivers all over my abs. I was, you know, I was, I wasn't emaciated, but 
I was very, 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 very lean. And I remember looking in the mirror and just every day just being so concerned that my muscles had shrunk. And because I knew that I was on a high cardio output and a high, a low calorie input, and I was training really hard in the gym. But the thing about it is my trainer at the time had changed my training to be much more cardiovascular in the gym. So rather than being, you know, he had advised that I drop back on, on weight, which is what I never advise now, by the way, what builds the muscle keeps the muscle. Okay. Always remember that if you're training hard and heavy in the gym prior to dieting and training, you should not stop doing that afterwards. So, but at the time I, I didn't have as much information. And so um, this was how he, how he prepped his athletes. So I, I, in the gym, I was not only was I doing cardio in the morning, cardio in the evening, in the gym, I was, I was lifting, you know, reasonably heavy for a set. And then I was doing a, dr a drop set of cardio um, in between sets. So I was lifting heavy, set of cardio, lifting heavy, set of cardio, lifting heavy, set of cardio. So that's how I would have, you know, done it. And so I was expanding a huge amount of energy and I didn't feel that I was lifting as heavy as I had before. And I was so worried that I had lost muscle. And every time I looked in the mirror, yes, I was lean, but I thought that I was skinny. I thought that I was you know, that guy was terrified of losing the muscle on my legs because I'd always wanted to build up my legs and glutes. And I felt that I'd really made good progress that year. And every time I looked in the mirror, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm losing my muscle. I'm losing my legs. I'm losing my glutes. And I was just getting more and more and more worried. And then, um, so then what happened was about, I hadn't been allowing myself any refeed days either. So everything that I do now, it was like literally the complete opposite of everything that I do. So I didn't allow myself any refeed days. Now I have a good refeed day at least once a week because refeed days are really uh, important for keeping your leptin levels high. So leptin is the hormone in your body that regulates metabolism. It means that you don't lose your menstrual cycle whenever you're, uh, the only reason why women lose their menstrual cycle when they're dieting is if their leptin levels drop too low. So if your leptin level stay high, um, which you keep them high by having a big carbohydrate uh, you know, refeed meal every week. That's what keeps your leptin levels high and that's what keeps your metabolism roaring along. So anyway, I wasn't having a refeed meal and there's a reason why I'm telling you this. Um, I wasn't having a refeed meal regularly I think I'd only had about two in the entire 10 weeks that I'd been prepping. And this particular day, my coach said to me, go and have a refeed meal. And I was like, no, 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 it was only two weeks out. And I'm so, you know, I, and he was like, Kim, seriously, you are 8% body fat. You are, you could go, you could eat McDonald's for four days and like, you know, and you would, you could eat 4,000 calories for four days and five days, six days a week. And you wouldn't put on a pick of fat. And I was like, really? And he was like, go and have a refeed meal. I said, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to have pizza. So there's this restaurant that we go to in Belfast. My friend actually owns it. One of my best friends. Um, it's called Greens Pizza. And Greens is, they are were one of the, I think they were the first, of course, because I was pushing William to do it. They were the first um, pizza restaurant in Belfast. They have three restaurants. And they were the first one to offer vegan options um, for, you know, for their pizzas. And I said to William whenever he started it, I said to him, don't even, I said, don't just offer vegan cheese on the pizza. I said, everything that you can do vegan, do vegan, do vegan garlic bread, vegan cheesy garlic bread, vegan, you know, desserts, vegan chocolate brownies, vegan Nutella, you know, on your desserts, you know, they do these like Nutella dough, dough bowls and stuff. So anyway, he did, which was amazing. And so this day we went to Greens and because I can have everything on the menu, oh my God, I went and I had, you know, garlic, um, vegan garlic bread, cheesy garlic bread to start, which he does, it's called Dragon's Tongue. And he puts like this chili sauce all over it. Sorry if you're dieting at the minute, if you're on one of my deal, if you're on my deal, house shred program and you're dieting, maybe you're doing your cardio listening to this and you're like, I fucking hate you right now. <laughs> You're talking about vegan garlic bread, dripping with garlic butter and chili sauce and vegan cheese. <laughs> so that's what I had for starters. And then for my main course, Ryan was like, do you want to share a pizza? I was like, 
do I want to fucking share a pizza? Are you kidding me? I'm not sharing a pizza with anybody. I haven't eaten for the last 10 weeks. So I got like a large pizza and I, oh my God, I wolfed that pizza into me. I always have mushrooms. People ask me weird questions like this. I'm just going to tell you what I have. I have mushrooms, um, chili peppers, and jalapenos, uh, mushrooms, jalapenos, and peppers um, on a on a pizza. Or sometimes I'd have this lovely one that they do with like slices of zucchini, which is courgette, um, and garlic and spinach. And oh my God, it's just amazing. And vegan cheese, of course. So I had a large pizza. And then I had for dessert, I had a vegan chocolate brownie with vegan ice cream and vegan chocolate, so- chocolate sauce. And I think there were nuts sprinkled on there as well. Oh my God, it was absolutely divine. And I think I had a bottle of beer too. And so anyway, the reason why I'm telling you this food story is because I went home that night and I went in to my dressing room to um, to get, to, you know, take my clothes off. And I, and I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my holy good fucking God. Seriously, those were the words that came out of my mouth. My quads, right? Now, I remember the rest of my body was 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 pretty big too, but my quads had blown up, right? I mean, blown up. They were double the size that they had been before I went to the restaurant. Double the size. I'm not even kidding. In fact, if I can find the photo, I will post it in the show notes of this um, episode on my Instagram or on my uh, my Instagram, on my website. My quads had doubled in size. I remember I went immediately and got my phone and I started taking photos and I sent them to my coach. I was like, look at the fucking size of my quads. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's just the glycogen. He said, I told you you hadn't lost muscle. He said, you were just, you know, glycogen depleted. And he started to explain how whenever you are um, dieting and you're on low calories so and you have a high energetic output and a low energetic input, you're you're putting out a lot of calories, you know, in, in your cardio, but you're also, you're not taking in a lot of calories in terms of glycogen. So your muscles don't have any glycogen stores. Whenever you eat food, you bring in energy and your food, you know, your body converts that food to energy to glycogen and it stores the glycogen in the liver to fuel the brain. And then it stores some in the muscles to fuel the muscles. And then the rest, it just converts to fat stores, um, which are your body's secondary energy source for future energetic needs. So because my body had been so depleted in glycogen, that's why I looked so skinny and depleted. We call it, actually, it's, you know, we call it prep face. You know, your your face always looks really weird whenever you're prepping. You look like a, um, you look like you have some kind of serious illness, to be honest, because you're so gaunt. But um, yeah, so it was, that's basically what had happened. And so I didn't, I, I didn't in that moment really understand how that was possible or just how possible that was. I had looked in the mirror and I had believed that because I looked skinny and because I looked, you know, um, my my muscle, because my body looked smaller, not only from the reduced body fat, but it just looked smaller. My shoulders looked smaller, my back looked smaller, my legs, my glutes, everything looked smaller. But I hadn't actually lost any muscle. It was just that my perception was skewed. My perception was that my my muscles were smaller, but actually my muscles were just depleted in glycogen. And they when once I ate loads of pizza, my muscles just completely blew up again. Now 
the reason why I'm telling you this is because you may not have lost muscle when you think you have. And unless you have the data in front of you, unless you've actually had a DEXA body scan or unless you have been measuring with photographs with uh, a measuring tape, you know, weighing yourself on the scale and measuring the data over a long period of time, you really don't know what's truth and what's perception. That's why scientists measure everything. Did you know that in order for something to be a science, it has to be verifiable measurable and reproducible. So you have to be able to verify your results, measure them, and then reproduce them again and again and again. That is how something is defined as a science. Whenever people say to me, oh, but it's science, I'm like, well, can you show me the peer-reviewed, you know, scientific literature? And they're like, the 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 why? <laughs> like, so unless something is ver- verify- verifiable, measurable, and reproducible, it's not actually a science, okay? But and so quite often then it's just that we think something is true. And if we think it's true, then we believe it must be true and we make it true, but it may not actually be true. Because here is the truth, right? Muscles don't atrophy as quick as we think, right? They don't break down and shrink as as quickly as we believe that they do. And we believe that they shrink faster because we look in the mirror and we think they're smaller, but actually they could just be depleted in glycogen or they could just be, you know, not being used. So let me just explain a little bit more. So recently I read a study on PubMed, right? Which showed that leg muscle does not atrophy until a month into zero exercise. So you would have you could you could do zero exercise for a month. You could lie on a bed in hospital, right? From an illness and feel like all of your muscles were wasting away, but the science, right? The peer-reviewed science proves now I don't think that they have done extensive tests in humans. I think it's mostly in actually in rodents. Um they looked at in other animals, but they it shows that in those animals, actually, you know what, there has been a lot of, so I'm going to back up a little bit, there actually has been um, a lot of anecdotal evidence and a lot of studies that perhaps isn't based in science, because I'm very careful about what I quote, but that actually where they they have measured, um, rather than measuring things like the micro, my, myonuclei, which we're going to talk about in a little second, which are cells inside your muscles, they have actually done different measurements, which show that it takes at least a month for your muscles to start breaking down, despite appearing smaller. So it could be lower glycogen levels that make them appear smaller, or it could be the fact that you're not in the gym, so you're not seeing a pump in your muscles, which make you think that your muscles are bigger because, you know, you look at your muscles in the gym and you go, wow, look at those delts, look at those legs. So when you've got a pump, right, your muscles are filled with blood and you think that they're bigger. Um, However, there was a review published in um, a magazine called Frontiers in Physiology, right? So Frontiers in Physiology showed that the nuclei gained during training remain even when muscle cells shrink due to disuse or, you know, or or you maybe haven't been using them as much as you were before. Maybe you're not lifting as heavy or even if you are completely incapacitated because of sickness. So what's really interesting about this is it suggests that we can bank muscle growth potential right? We can bank muscle growth potential. Isn't that really exciting to think that we can bank muscle growth potential? So basically, whenever you train, okay, so whenever you've trained in the gym, whenever you're training reasonably hard in the gym, your body, your your muscles grow, okay? So your muscles start to, the cells start to, you know, double in size, the muscles start to grow, they build up more fascia around the muscle, that fascia expands as the muscle grows, and it stays expanded, but also what happens is your, your muscles build up cells called nuclei, okay? And the more muscle you grow, the more nuclei 
um, develops inside your muscles. And the more you build these, the more the more your body will um, will develop, but also the more cells that you will grow inside your muscles. Okay, these nuclei don't die. They they don't die even if your muscles shrink. Right, even if your muscles shrink or atrophy due to disuse, these nuclei don't die; they remain forever. Now, why would this be? Okay, well, if you think about it, your muscles get damaged during extreme exercise. Okay, and they often have to weather like changes in food availability or other environmental factors, or you know, there's there's lots of different things happen. Like no one's life is a straight path from birth to death. Right? It it really doesn't happen that way. We have lots of different traumas in our lives. We have you know we break bones, we hurt ourselves, we we we're you know we're we're pumped for a show or we're, we're training really hard in the gym, and then something happens to knock us off, and then we're not training. So you know your muscles and your body has to weather a lot of things. Your body is built for um, survival. Your body's main goal is to survive. That's what your body wants to do. It wants to keep you healthy. So it wouldn't make sense, right? Your muscles wouldn't last very long if they gave up their nuclei in response to every single insult that came at it, right? Every single time of, you know, injury or illness or, you know, any any time that there was a change in your environment or a change in your training or a change in what you were doing, if 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 your muscles weren't able to to state, you know, move with the times, if you like, then it's, you know, you, you really wouldn't get very far. So your muscles really don't, really, really, really don't shrink as, as quickly as you think. And so it just like me looking in the mirror, whenever I thought that I had lost all my muscle and I realized once they were pumped up with glycogen that I haven't, what you see in the mirror isn't actually true. So I want you to stop worrying about the fact that you haven't been able to get to the gym for maybe four weeks or five weeks and you've been training from home because, or even you haven't been training from home, maybe you've been a lazy bastard, right? Maybe you've been lying there like a big fat bitch, just eating Oreos and, you know, cheesy puffs and <laughs> drinking, you know, uh, you know, soda or whatever. That's totally okay, okay, right? This is, th- these are, these are weird times. Just whatever you have been doing, just forgive yourself and just move on from it and don't worry about it. But, you know, no matter what you have been doing, whether you've been doing a little bit of training, a little bit of walking, a little bit of yoga, you've been doing zero training, you've just been lying on the couch watching Netflix and eating Oreos, well, you know what, that's totally okay. But I want you not to worry that anything that you built in the gym prior to this time, you really, truly have not lost it. I can promise you, right? I can promise you, you have not lost it. Now, Here's the thing as well I want to talk about, which is um, muscle memory. Okay, so let's say you're, you know, you're like, okay, this is great. I can stop worrying now. Haven't been training as hard for the last four weeks, six weeks, five weeks, or whatever. Don't know that I'm going to get into the gym anytime soon. I'm going to have to figure out a plan. I really do want to do something. I'm excited to hear that I haven't lost the muscle that my body hasn't started to break down the muscle that um, that I built. And even better, even if it had started to break down, you know, some muscle or say I had the muscle had atrophied, right? So that, that means the muscle will shrink in size. You have all of the myonuclei, myonuclei in your muscle that that once you've built, you will never ever lose. That will get stimulated once you get start training again, and everything is just going to to like puff back up again, and you know get stronger and faster and fitter and better. And you're not going to go back to where you started. I think we're always worried that we're going to go right back to where we started. You're not okay. Your body's wired for survival. Your body's built for survival. You're not going to go back to where you started. I absolutely promise you. Now, one thing I do want you encouraged uh, to encourage you to do is to get yourself on a plan, okay? Get yourself on a plan now uh, to train from home. And 
you know, when you do train, I want you to, um, I want you to train to failure. Okay. I really, really want you to train to failure in whatever it is you decide to do. Now, maybe you're like, you know what, I'm not going to train. I'm just going to go and do um, some walking or I'm just going to, you know, do some yoga, whatever. That's totally okay. This, this, the training to failure that I'm talking about is more to do with if you're going to train with dumbbells or you're going to do some, you know, home uh, body weight workouts or calisthenics, such as we have in our jailhouse shred program and also in the 18 month sculpt and shred. We just added an entire, an entire 18 month body weight calisthenics program to our 18-month Sculpt and Shred program for free for all of the members, for free for the members, for the current members. And um, we've just finished recording all the videos with a guy who's a Ninja Warrior finalist, okay? Absolute incredible guy. He has devised the program for me and actually recorded the videos with me. So anyway, that's a little caveat. We're adding that to the side. But, you know, the reason why I'm talking about the body weight training is it is possible to train to failure. Um, no matter what type of training you're doing, but here is why it's important, okay? So, um, and I want to tie this into the previous point, which was about the myonuclei. So my husband, Ryan, um, thank God he doesn't listen to these podcasts because I don't know that he would be happy that I talk about him all the time. I, mean, I usually talk about him in a very lovely way, but sometimes like, you know, I, he's a very private person and he, I don't think he would like me discussing um, his training and whatever he does. But anyway, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it because I don't think he actually listens to these podcasts. In fact, I'm pretty sure that he doesn't. So, because um, I would get into trouble if he did, he would say, I listened to your podcast and you talked all about me. <laughs> stop that. Um, so anyway, but listen, Ryan uh, Ryan has been an athlete his entire life, okay? So he used to train, uh, he used to play rugby for Australia. So he played for his country um, and also he played for Queensland. He's Australian, obviously. So he grew up playing rugby on the beach and then he played for Queensland and then he uh, moved to London and played for a team called Saracens and then he came to Belfast and he played for a team called Ulster. So he was a professional athlete his entire life. And I love to tell this on my podcast that he still holds, I'm so proud of him, he still holds the highest number of tries scored in an English Premiership rugby game today. Nobody has ever beaten his record. His record, I think he scored seven tries in one game and he's now nearly 50. He's he's 50 this year. So uh, anyway, Ryan has, Ryan has trained his entire life, okay? And that's relevant to the story I'm telling you. He's trained his entire life. He's always trained in the gym. He's always trained for functional fitness and strength. Now, he's never trained as a bodybuilder and he's still not training as a bodybuilder because he's not going to do a show, but he's always trained, okay? And he's always, um, he's always been running around a rugby field and he's he was always extremely fast. I think he used to play center. Not that I knew anything about rugby, but he was very fast and he obviously trained a lot to be a professional athlete. So Ryan started um, training in the gym uh, about, let me see, he started training with me just before Christmas last year. So this is April 2020. This is being recorded. So at the end of last year, he started training in the gym with me. And I would say it was probably, we probably started training together in November, but you know, he really wasn't, he was training, we were training together and I was trying to push him to train to failure, but he still wasn't really sold on the concept of training to failure. Ryan, before he he started training with me in the way that I train, which is high intensity training, which involves going to failure and beyond failure in the final set of your final exercise, the final set of your exercise. Um, he uh, he wasn't really sold on that concept. And up until that point, he was training in the gym, but he would have, if the, if the exercise program had said do four sets of 12 reps, Ryan would have done four sets of 12 reps and he would have stopped at 12 reps. Okay. He, even if he had more reps in the tank, if the exercise program said four sets of 12, Ryan stopped at 12. Whereas the principle of high intensity training is that if you have more 
fuel in the tank, if you have more reps in the bank, if you have not reached total muscular failure, then you your muscles have no reason to grow. So Ryan started training with me and I was trying to push him, trying to push him. And I kept saying to him, will you not come train with Mark and I? Not come train with Mark and I. Because I, when I say training with me, we would have trained together on a Sunday. So I gave up one of my days training with Mark and um, he, we would have trained on a Sunday and sometimes midweek as well. And then it started that I would, you know, once he got into, you know, he got used to having a training partner, he began to enjoy it. So I would go to the gym with him, go to his gym and um, and I would train shoulders with him or back or whatever and I would spot him. So, but I kept trying to get him to come to train with me. I trained with my trainer, Mark Getty, who is um, a huge in bodybuilder in terms of what he's achieved, but also in size. And he owns a gym in a place called Lisburn here in Northern Ireland, which is called Elite Health and Fitness. So Mark owns the gym, it's his gym. And he, it is like an incredible gym. He basically built the gym that he would want to train in to train his body, which is as as a professional bodybuilder. There are no bells and whistles in the gym. It's, you know, it's basic and it's reasonably small, but it is it is hardcore, you know, it's old school. And so anyway, I kept trying to pursue, and I trained with Mark five days a week. Well, I used to train Monday to Friday, but now we train, um, well, before the whole coronavirus, we train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So I, um, I was trying to persuade Ryan to come train with me. He wouldn't do it. And then one day I said to him, he, I said to him, okay, I'll make you a deal. He kept wanting me to do these blaze classes. Okay. So blaze is like this form of hit cardio. Now I detest hit as in H I I T as in high intensity interval training. Okay. I detest high intensity interval training. I'm using the word detest here. Okay very strong word about high intensity interval training. I detest it. It is not anything that I would ever choose to do or enjoy. And Ryan knows this. So I said to Ryan, please, 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 please come and train legs with Mark and I. And he was like, no. I said, please, Ryan. He said, I'm not driving all the way to Lisbon. I said, it's only 20 minutes from the house. He was like, but then I have to do this, blah, blah, blah. I said, we'll go earlier. We'll go earlier before you know you need to go to the office or we'll do this, whatever. So I kept negotiating, negotiating. So then he goes to me one day, okay. And I said to him, okay, I'm going to give him the ultimate thing. So I said to him, okay, I have a deal for you. And he said, what? And I said, I will come to a Blaze class because he kept trying to get me to go to these Blaze classes. I will come to a Blaze class if you come and train legs. And he looked at me and his eyes lit up and he was like, really? And I was like, Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, deal. And he made me shake on it. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? But actually, like that is how much I was willing to sacrifice to get my husband to come and train. And I just, the reason why I wanted him to come and train with us in, in Lisburn was because I hate seeing someone put in effort and not get the result that they could get. I am all about maximum effort for maximum output. Now, when I say maximum effort, I actually don't even mean maximum. You know what? I'm going to reframe that. I'm all about minimal effort for maximum output. I hate seeing people working and not getting results, whether it be in business, whether it be in the gym, whether it be in yoga, whatever. I, I I am such a I just want to find the hacks in everything I do. Give me the life hack. Give me the gym hack. Give me the business hack. Show me the fastest way that I can achieve my goal. And I am there with bells and whistles on. And I could see Ryan going to the gym five days a week, training for an hour, and his body wasn't changing. Like it wasn't changing. And he was doing this for maybe six months. And he trained his entire life, but someone else had always written his, his program for him. And also he was training for, you know, for, for a specific purpose, which was, you know, to play on a rugby field, right? 
And I could see, I could see him training and I could see him putting in the effort, putting in the time more than anything. It wasn't even that he was putting in the effort as much because he wasn't training anywhere near as hard as I train, but he was putting in the time and he wasn't getting the results. So I persuaded him to come and train legs with Mark and it was, it was pretty ropey. Like he learned what hard training was that day. And then he came and trained legs again the next week. And then the next week he came and trained legs and back. And then he came and trained legs, backs and shoulders. And then he came trained chest, legs, backs and shoulders. And from there on in, all he ever did was train with Mark. So he, even whenever I'm not training with Mark, Ryan still goes and trains by himself with Mark. So, um, so the reason, so, so what happened then was in, he started training with Mark. It was only in January. Okay. So he started training with Mark in January and see between January and so it was about three months, right? Mid-January to say mid-February or mid-March, I think it was. So that was only two months, right? In eight weeks of training with Mark, Ryan's body changed more than in three or four years of training himself. Three or four years. I am I swear, I started to take pictures of him, right? Whenever he was standing, I said, let me, I took pictures of him at the start and and then started to take regular pictures of him weekly just so he could see the progress. See, whenever he walks around the garden, shirtless and I look at his back, see his lats and his traps. See the size that he has put on in his legs, his outer quad sweep, but my legs used to be bigger than Ryan's. His outer quad sweep is unbelievable. And the only thing that Ryan changed was training to failure. Now, what do I mean when I say training to failure? Well, your muscles only grow in the final reps of the final set of your exercise. It doesn't matter whether it's body weight exercise. It doesn't matter whether it is um, you're training with dumbbells at home. It doesn't matter whether you're in the gym using machines or dumbbells or whatever. Your muscles only grow in the final the final reps of the final set of the exercise. How so? Well, imagine if you took a piece of sandpaper, right? And you opened the palm of your hand and you started to rub a piece of sandpaper across your hand. Now, the sandpaper would feel uncomfortable, but it wouldn't cause any any real trauma to your hand, okay? So say you started to rub it back and forth. So you're like, I'm rubbing here, right? You can hear me? Rub, 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 right? So I'm rubbing back and forth across my hand. I'm not actually using a piece of sandpaper, by the way. But so if you started to rub a piece of sandpaper across your hand, initially, there would be no trauma to your hand, okay? Now, maybe if you stopped, right? So say you did it for about 30 seconds and then you stopped. Your hand might be a little bit red. Maybe it might be a little bit tender for a day. But then the next day, it would be totally fine again. Now, but if you kept rubbing that sandpaper and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing until your hand started to bleed, then you would actually cause trauma to your hand. Then your body would recognize the trauma. If you didn't rub the sandpaper across it again for, say, another two to three days, your body would heal your hand. So your body would start to form scar tissue over your hand in order to protect itself. Your body would want to strengthen your hand and protect it from that stress in the future so that if it ever happened again, it would be able to handle it because it's stronger. That's what your body does. Your body goes, oh, there was trauma to this area. So we're going to now protect this area just in case this ever happens again. So it builds it back stronger. That's exactly what happens with your muscles. So when you go to the gym and you do, or at home, or you're training with bodyweight exercises, and you 
only do so you do what what so there's two schools of thought there's high volume training hvt and then there's high intensity training hit which is not to be confused with high intensity interval training which is cardio okay so if you go to the gym and you do high volume training which is you do lots of different sets but you never truly reach failure it's the same as rubbing that piece of sandpaper over the palm of your hand and not drawing blood. Yes, you will cause, you know, you will cause a little tiny bit of trauma to your hand. And if you kept doing it over and over and over and over and over again, you know, for, for years and years and years, then yes, the ha- this the the um the skin on your hand would thicken. Okay. And but and but you could do that every single every single week for years, and yes, the skin on your hand would thicken, but it would never it would never grow a massive amount of scar tissue. Just like whenever you get calluses on your hands from 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 lifting weights, I always have calluses on my hands from lifting weights, but they're not you know they're not big massive rough obtrusions on my hands. They're just like bumps at the bottoms of my fingers, where you know, and they're not really really rough and they're not really bad. Now, but some a big you know burly guy. Who who works with his hands all day, maybe lays, you know, a bricklayer or someone who works on the roads or whatever, they can have really big, massive, rough hands. Why do they have really big, rough hands with calluses? Because over years and years and years of trauma and trauma and lifting more and more and more and heavier things causes their hands to build up a huge resistance to the work, okay? It's exactly the same with your muscles. Working your muscles in the gym and not working them to the point of total muscular failure is like rubbing a piece of sandpaper gently across the palm of your hand. It feels uncomfortable, but nothing actually changes. If you rub that sandpaper to the point where your hand bleeds, then you're, then something changes and your body has to re- rebuild it back thicker and stronger. This is exactly what happens whenever you train to failure in the gym or at home with your body weight exercises or with your weights. So whenever your muscles grow, the surrounding fascia, okay, fascia is a tight tissue that wraps around your muscles on the outside. Um, It expands whenever your muscles grow, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. This tissue remains expanded even when your muscles shrink, when your muscles atrophy, okay? That tissue remains expanded. So if you built that tissue in the gym before then you, you know, you, you started training from home or you had to change your training because of the coronavirus, that tissue remains expanded. So when you try to regain that muscle, it grows much easier because the fascia was already there. This is what happened to Ryan. Okay, Ryan went into the gym and his muscles had already got this lovely expanded fascia around it. But because of the way he was training himself before he started coming to train with Mark, because he wasn't training to failure, his his muscles expanded, but they only expanded a little bit. Right? They they did expand, but they didn't they didn't expand with the massive growth potential that he has now, and the way his his body has grown and expanded so fast because he's actually placing an incredible amount of demand on it is astonishing to watch. So how is this relevant to you? Well, if you're listening to this because you're worried about losing the muscle that you had built before coronavirus, you don't need to worry because not only have you built up a lot of myonuclei in the cells, which will, you know, which will grow and expand again, which will never shrink and die, but you have also built up a lot of expanded fascia around the muscles, which remains expanded even if your muscles do shrink, okay? Even if you do lose some muscles and they, they well, they don't shrink, they atrophy. So shrink, exp- shrink or expand is actually, it's, I'm using it because not a lot of people understand the term atrophy, but hopefully you do by now. So even if your muscles do break down if they atrophy, then you, uh, 
that you once you start training again, whether that be in the gym or now at home, because maybe you haven't been training, your muscles will grow really, really, really fast because the fascia is already expanded. You're not having to go through the whole process again from the very beginning. People think they're going to start right back at the very beginning. They're not. It's really, really super easy to grow muscle once you have grown it already because that tissue is already expanded. Now, how do you train to failure at home? or in the gym. Well, let me explain that very quickly. Um, So training to failure is basically uh, making sure that every single part of the muscle has failed. So if you're training in the gym, training to failure, there's three, uh, three ways that you can fail, okay? The first way that you will fail is failure on form. So what'll happen is, you, you know, you want to keep perfect form with your reps, okay? As much as you possibly can. When you're in the final set of your final, when you're in the final reps of your final set of the exercise, you will find that you, you want to choose a weight that's heavy enough that you can keep perfect form for at least the first four to six reps, okay? Now, at six reps, you may find your form starting to go, which means that you cannot go through the full range of motion from full stretch to full squeeze the way that you could with the first, you know, four. It may have been extremely difficult to do it with the first four to six exercise, four to six reps, but you want to try and keep that form. Um, Once that happens, you will start to notice that your muscles will start to fail on the positive. Now, the positive part of the rep is when you push up from the bottom of a squat or when you're doing a bench press and you push the bar up or when you're say doing a press up on the floor and you you know you push you go down to a lowered position and then you push back up it's when you're doing a pull up whenever you actually pull up in a um, in a pull up bar that is the positive part of the rep. In a bicep curl it's where you curl the the bar you curl the dumbbell up towards your shoulder. The first way that you will fail is that you'll fail in the positive i.e. your your you will stick so you will reach a, a point a point of failure at some point in that rep. That's when you need to have a training partner or a spotter, okay? Most people stop at this point. Whenever they can't move the positive part of the rep, they stop. They rack the bar, they think they're finished, okay? That's when your muscles have reached the point where they're about to grow. I need to repeat that, okay? You listening? That's where your muscles reach the point where they are about to grow. That's where you've been rubbing the sandpaper over the palm of your hand and it's just about to break the skin. If you don't break the skin, if you don't push past that point, your muscles have absolutely zero reason to grow. Zero reason to grow. Muscles respond to stimulus and they respond to damage. You literally want to exert as much damage to the muscle as possible so that it can heal back thicker than before. So at that sticking point on the positive part of the rep, that's when you want to have a training partner or just in some way, just just keep, say you were doing a pull-up, right? You could put your feet on the on the ground, you and you but you can't pull yourself up anymore. That's when you put your feet on the ground and you pull yourself up, okay, to the starting position, and then you lower yourself with control on the negative. Most people ignore the negative part of the rep, but in the last couple of reps, in the final set of your final reps of the final set of your exercise, if you get a spotter to help you with the positive part, and in the, in the last couple of reps, they can even actually actually like lift the weight right up. Now, if you you obviously still want to be pushing it if you can, because you want to get, you know, squeeze out every last ounce of effort. But whenever I'm training with Mark, if I'm doing a, um, say a shoulder press, a shoulder machine press on the last 
couple of reps of the final set of my really heavy set, Mark is, is, I am still pushing it all the way to the top. But I mean, I couldn't do it if Mark wasn't helping me lift it. He's taking probably 70% of the load and I'm taking 30% of the load in the final two reps. But I always lower it slowly on the negative. And the only time your muscle fails is when you can't actually lower the bar with control. Whenever, you know, whenever I'm trying to lower the bar down in a, a shoulder press, a military shoulder press, whenever it goes boom and it just falls, right? And or it goes to fall. Obviously, Mark has his hands on it. That's when I've truly failed. I not only failed in being able to push the positive, but I failed in controlling the negative. If you can imagine this on a lying leg curl, you, you know, you if you get a spotter in the final couple of reps to help you slowly to move your, you know, feet in towards your butt on the positive part, and then you lower it with control, you will find that your hamstrings will go into spasm. They will spasm because of the effort. You haven't failed until you failed on the negative. So what does this look like if you're training from home? Well, if you're doing a if you're doing push-ups, for example, then you if you cannot push yourself up anymore, but you can still lower with control, you haven't failed. So what I would do is I would bring my knees into a box position, push myself back up, then I would go back out to a full press-up position and lower with control. Knees in, push up, go back to a full press-up, lower with control. Paul and I have just added, Paul is the calisthenics expert who helped me develop the home program for the sculpt and shred. He and I have added an exercise into the phase one of the program, which is negative um, negative chin-ups. So basically what you do is you you pull yourself up or you step up into a pull-up position so that you're holding onto the bar and your biceps are contracted and then you lower yourself in the negative for five reps. We put a lot of negative exercises into the program because negatives are so important for building muscle. So you want to try and find a way that you can go to total muscular failure. If you're doing squats, bodyweight squats at home, if you're doing Bulgarian split squats for legs, if you're doing squats, if you're doing you know, any kind of leg exercises you're doing at home, you want to go until literally your muscle is cramping, burning, and you cannot move your leg one more inch. That's failure. That's rubbing the sandpaper across your hand until it bleeds. That's actual trauma. That's what you want to do in order to keep the muscle that you have at home. It's so, so important. And it's something that most people miss. And anyone who trains consistently to failure, like everyone in my jailhouse shred program at the minute, I, I did a, a, a Facebook live last week. I do a Q&A every Monday and I was teaching them all the concept of training to failure. And they literally, the reports in the group the next week, they were like, oh my fucking good God, I really was not pushing myself hard enough. Once I truly understand the concept of training to failure, I am dead. Like, And anyone who is consistently training to failure is not worried about losing muscle. Let me tell you, there is not one person in my jailhouse shred program who has worried or complained about losing muscle. Not one, <laughs> okay? Not one single person. Because let me tell you, when you are training the way that I teach you to train in either the home program of the Sculpt and Shred or in the jailhouse shred, you're not worried about losing muscle because you know that there is no way you could lose muscle training this hard. Okay, so let's round this all up um, just to bring it to a close. So what should you do to you know, keep the muscle that you have and to not worry about losing muscle if you're not able to train from the gym? First of all, stay calm. Accept what you can't change. Remember the story about getting absolutely soaking wet? You, my dear, are soaking fucking wet. You can't get any wetter. You're at home. Your gym is closed. Accept it. Do what you can and do not stress. Number two, make a plan. Okay? Make a plan. I don't know if you if it's in your budget. If you do want a program that 
to um, work in the short term. We have a four-week jailhouse shred program, which has a full body weight program at home. You need zero equipment. I believe body weight training is so much more effective than training with two pink dumbbells and a resistance band. Really, I truly believe that it is. So if you want that, it's only $97. You can pick one of those up. Or you know what? There's loads of free shit all over the internet. Go onto the internet, Google body weight exercises, you know, and, and just download a free program. And just, you know, and work it. Now, of course, in the jailhouse shred, you also get meal plans and you get support and you get like a full, I think there's it's like a 93-page PDF that comes with it. So um, I'm just giving myself a shameless plug here, but I don't really care because I do create programs that actually freaking work. Uh, but also the 18-month sculpt and shred, we're going to open it back up again because uh, so many people wanted to purchase and then couldn't and we didn't have the home program, which we've now added. So we're going to open it back up for anybody who wants to purchase for the next couple of weeks um, just because we have added the home program and it's so amazing so if you do want a body weight training program you can you can do even when the gym's open again you can supplement your gym training program we have those available for you but again doesn't matter whether it's my plan or whether it's someone else's plan just get a bloody plan just make yourself a plan just you know treat your training like you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to you know you're going to train at 8 a.m you're going to eat and then you're going to train 8 a.m or 9 a.m or 10 a.m just set it in your plan set it in your diary and make it a priority okay the third thing you need to do is find a way to train to failure and challenge yourself. Find a way to challenge yourself, whether you are training with resistance bands or with dumbbells or whether you're training um, at home or you're doing your bodyweight exercises, or you're doing yoga, just whatever it is, find a way to challenge yourself. Because when you challenge yourself, you release endorphins in your body, everything changes. It, it's, it's, it's incredible what a good challenge does for yourself. Set yourself a goal and then work towards that goal and say, in four weeks, I'm going to weigh this, I'm going to look like this, I'm going to be able to do 10 pull-ups, I'm going to be able to do 10 press-ups, whatever, just set yourself a challenge and work towards a goal. And then the final thing I want to advise you is don't worry that you're going to lose muscle because you have all of the myonuclei built and it will quickly grow back again. Any, any muscle that you've lost will quickly grow back again once you do get back into your gym training routine. So even if you do lose muscle, which is going to be highly unlikely as long as you're still stimulating it and training to failure, you're not a victim of this, by the way, guys, okay? You're not a victim of coronavirus. There are many, many different ways to skin a cat for a terrible, terrible knowledge. I don't even know why that, that saying exists, but everyone knows what it means. There's many ways to skin a cat. You do not need to, um, to, to have gym equipment to keep the muscle that you have. Okay, find another way. Get on a body weight exercise, a calisthenics uh, body weight training, and honestly, and watch just how quickly you can keep and even grow more muscle. But even if you don't do any of that and you just decide to, you know, you're just going to relax and enjoy this time with your family and you're going to take the pressure off yourself and not train, then don't worry because once you get back to the gym, I swear to God, everything that you built before will come back super, super fast. <laughs> So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. It's something that I've been wanting to make for a while. So I'm really glad that we had a chance to chat about it. Don't forget to leave the review um, on iTunes, preferably, or on Stitcher or um, Podbean or not on our website. Don't be leaving it on the Sculpted Vegan. You can leave one on there if you want. I would love it, but that doesn't count towards the reviews. And the reason why we ask you to leave a review and we attach a, a prize to it is simply because the more reviews that we have on iTunes, the more iTunes um, rates our podcast, the more it shows it to people in the searches, the more people we get to reach with this information, the more downloads we get. So that's why we encourage everybody to leave a review. It does help me out. Even if you don't want to win a Sculpted Vegan program, if you were to leave a review, it really would help um, us to reach more people with this podcast. So, 
Um, and I also, you know what, can I tell you something as well? See, any time that I'm ever feeling a wee bit down, which doesn't happen very often, but anytime I'm a wee bit like, oh, whatever, I just want to feel better about myself, do you know what I do? I go on to the um, podcast or onto the uh, app, the pod, the podcasting app, or I guess I go on to Chartable, which is called, which is our online platform that we use to review the podcast. Um, and I read all the reviews. I read all the reviews of people, um, of what people leave. And I love reading the reviews. And I just wish that I could reply to every single one. So don't think that I don't see them. I do. I read every single one. And I love that you guys are loving this podcast. And I love what you write. And I love that you love my no BS attitude. That's what I always hear. Oh, I love Kim and her no BS attitude. Um, that's what I hear constantly. And I'm like, okay, so you guys don't mind that I swear a lot. I have a mouth like a truck driver. <laughs> I say it like it is. And I don't sugarcoat it. And I tell you to pull up your big girl pants and get the, you know, shut the fuck up and get on with it. Um, and I, I love that you love that I do that because I would never be anything but myself and anything but genuine. And, uh, but it really does warm my heart whenever I read the reviews. So please, even if you don't want to win a program, just leave a review for me anyway. I love to read them or reach out to me on Instagram and just say hi in the DMs. Um, and otherwise I'm now waffling on. So I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to say goodbye for this week. I'm going to say, I'll see you next week. And thank you so much for listening. Your time and attention means an incredible amount to me. See you next week for another episode. Bye for now.